Hello and welcome to our podcast, Battleground Ohio, assessing the 2016 presidential election. Uh, we've covered a lot of areas. Today we're going to talk about will millennials decide the election? Millennials have recently overtaken baby boomers as the largest sector of the U.S. population, each group now comprising about 31% of the U.S. electorate. So the political influence of millennials is on the rise. Today we ask whether millennials could tip the balance toward Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump in 2016. And how will they react to the latest developments on the campaign trail, including the release of the so-called Trump tape? Our topic is young voters, millennials, and I'm joined by two members of the political science department at Bowling Green State University, Melissa Miller and David Jackson. So here we are, millennials take center stage. Who exactly are we talking about when we refer to the millennial generation? Who and when, how do we separate them demographically from everybody else? Well, it begins with the notion of when they were born, <laughs> as any generational concept does. And so millennials are those at the older end uh, who were born uh, in 1982 because they turned 18 and were therefore allowed to vote um, in 2000 when we had the new millennium. So uh, like any generation, uh, it's a fairly wide uh, group. And so I, the, the oldest... Uh, millennials would be 34 now, hmm. and the youngest would be 18, 18. <laughs> um, or so. Um, in terms of demographics, uh, the generation is more diverse. Um, the generation is less white, more progressive uh, in terms of politics. Um, in fact, I was going to say that that's what really distinguishes them as well as their politics. Oh. They're distinctive demographically and politically. Um, and they are, they are more progressive, they're slightly more progressive. There's some recent good surveys out there, one by the Pew Research Center, one by Ipsos and the Diane Rehm Show on PBS. Now these aren't surveys taken just last week, but they've been taken in the last couple months and looked really in detail at um, millennial voters. And what we find is that um, they're more likely to say they're independent than older generations and that's really part of a long broad trend that we've seen of fewer and fewer Americans identifying with political parties in general but like other generations if you follow up what party do you identify with and then <coughs> when a voter says none you say well do you lean toward the Democrats or the Republicans and you add the partisan identifiers with the leaners what you find is young voters tend to be more democratic. Pew estimates that the partisans and the partisan leaners among millennials, uh, that would be 57% of millennials versus 36% who either say they are Republicans or lean toward Republicans. So um, they are more likely to support Democrats. Now, in terms of the actual 2016 election, what this translates to is an advantage for Hillary Clinton. <clears throat> so she's polling ahead among millennials by double digits, big double digits. And, um, even when you add Gary Johnson and Jill Stein um, and give voters and millennials four options to choose from in, on the ballot, she still holds that lead, a big lead. So a big advantage there. Yeah. Now, one of the things that's come into play is recently is the video that was released about Donald Trump where he talked about capitalizing on his celebrity, which is a nice way of saying it, I guess, uh, to make sexual advances on women, including married women. In the debate, the most recent one, he dismissed his lewd comments as just locker room banter. 
Um, but others are saying his remarks constituted admission of sexual assault. Now, this millennial group, how did they view that, uh, what he's basically said and how he's explained what it was? Well, I think they're widely turned off by the video, mm -hmm. as many Americans are. And, you know, another distinguishing feature that comes into mm -hmm. play among millennials are that they are the most tolerant generation. Yeah. That partly mm -hmm. is due to the diversity that Dave mentioned. They're a very diverse generation. They're more tolerant than their older peers. Mm -hmm. And so thus, their tolerance for what sounds like the objectification of women and sexism is likely to be lower them. perhaps than older generations yeah. and one one additional factor there is that um, we're sitting here on a college campus and campus sexual assault has become a national issue on college campuses across the country and universities and colleges are actually engaging in efforts to raise awareness about campus sexual assaults and give students both men and women the tools to combat sexual mm -hmm. assault so the fact that um, these tapes were released, and Trump has called it lewd comments, but as you say, Steve, mm -hmm. critics are saying this sounds like an admission of sexual assault. Either way, mm -hmm. you know, this discussion yeah. is not going to help Trump at all mm -hmm. among younger voters. In particular, when you have a spokesman for the party, the Republican Party, a senator, a Republican senator, saying they don't know, or ask an attorney, <laughs> if uh, uh, touching uh, a woman's genitals without her consent is sexual assault or not. There is not one person in the millennial generation who has uh, any doubt about whether or not that, that is sexual that is assault or, yeah. due to the education and, and training and sensitivity to these issues that this generation uniquely, uh, as Professor Miller suggests, has uh, undergone. And I think particularly among college-age women, women who are either in college or recent college graduates, I, I talk to conservative women, progressive liberal women, students hmm. that I have on both sides of the aisle, and they are, their radar is attuned to, um, to sexism. Right. More so than perhaps older women, right? Mm -hmm. and, and particularly yeah. on this issue of sexual harassment because of the training. So not mm -hmm. helpful. <coughs> These tapes in no way right. are going to help Donald Trump mm -hmm. try to make up for the deficit he already has among millennials. Mm -hmm. Now, and, and, and because of that, I mean, generational, gener generationally, he doesn't necessarily see that as an issue probably. Well, that's just, he doesn't realize that it may play with them. Will that make them turn out more or will it make them turn out less? I mean, will that stimulate, well, I wasn't going to vote, but now I'm going to show up because, gee, really? I mean, uh, will, that, will that make them mobilize them to go to the polls or will it not, it won't have any effect? Well, I think uh, generally mobilization works better when you're inspiring people to vote for somebody that will vote against them as John Kerry learned, for example, yeah. in 2004 yeah. when, you know, the enthusiasm uh, on his campaign was more an anti-Bush enthusiasm than a pro-John Kerry enthusiasm. So it certainly benefits Secretary Clinton. However, she still has to seal the deal and give people something to vote for, not just something to vote against. Right. And that's where I'm not sure millennials are enamored of Clinton. Um, they're not particularly enamored of Clinton. She does a lot better among them, in part because of that democratic tilt that there is in general that's going to help her. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the million-dollar question because a lot of um, uh, the, you know, the question about whether millennials will decide the election has a lot to do with just whether they show up or not. Yeah, and their enthusiasm early in the, in the primaries was more... Bernie Sanders Correct. and the Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. So 
although they had, and I guess he is out though on the hustings, you know, trying to build that support for, for Clinton at this point. Well, uh, there's a risk in that, I think, as well. I mean, there's, he's been in some college towns uh, promoting, uh, but a candidate uh, has to be careful not to be um, upstaged by the surrogates. Mm -hmm. So there has been some criticism that Sanders hasn't been on the trail as much as he should be uh, oh. for Clinton. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I think the Clinton campaign is wise to be careful with sending out Elizabeth Warren, uh, Michelle Obama, and um, Bernie Sanders in the event that they draw bigger, more enthusiastic crowds. Right. Although on the other hand, um, Clinton did draw yesterday the biggest crowd of her campaign so far down in Columbus oh. with uh, yeah. an estimated 18,500 people showing up. Which and is was that huge. on the Ohio State campus, I believe? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. Now, you know, one of the things that we, you know, we're talking about millennials is that um, have there been experiences for them that would have sort of been pivotal to their generation <coughs> as opposed to other generations? Things that happened as they're growing up in this timeline that, that would make them think certain ways or react certain ways compared to other generations? Well, conceptually, that's how uh, social scientists look at this notion mm -hmm. of uh, generations and political learning and political socialization. And broadly speaking, um, as you implied, mm -hmm. there's sort of two ways to look at it. Uh, one is this notion that each generation is different, mm -hmm. that every generation experiences uh, unique events that mark that generation, drive that generation, define that generation, and affect how they vote. Um, and, and generally speaking, these uh, occurrences uh, happen uh, relatively uh, early uh, mm -hmm. in someone's in the generation's life. And, and this generation has undergone, you know, a large. Uh, you know, if you think about people born in 1982. Um, uh, they, you know, experienced 9/11, obviously, right. uh, as a something that happened uh, just as they were coming of political age. Right. So certainly that would affect uh, their outlook. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, uh, they are the generation raised in the era of uh, mass school shootings and mm. uh, okay. uh, lockdowns and preparation uh, for those things. Right. Um, these factors among others uh, that affect that you know are <clears throat> you know that happened as this generation was becoming politically uh, active and aware are, are things that will continue to affect them sort of put in a more uh, sort of less academic way I can remember a very very good professor I had in graduate school when we had the first day of class what he would say is um, every person go around the room and tell me the first political event that you remember and that is a way of thinking about how a generation is defined politically. Hmm. And so somebody born in 1982, um, what is the first event they're going to remember? Uh, Clinton's election mm -hmm. in 92, uh, the scandal <laughs> uh, surrounding the Clinton administration. The impeachment. The impeachment. Mm -hmm. uh, experiencing on a daily basis, you know, preparation for school shootings, Columbine. Uh, and then, you know, 9-11 when they turn 18, 19. So yeah. this probably could be a factor that leads to um, one of the surveys that we've seen uh, showing that uh, this generation believes in a more activist state, that, that they believe in oh. government. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Okay. They are more comfortable with an active state. They're more tolerant. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think is interesting because 
particularly when Sanders was running in the primaries, we were thinking that their issues were really about the cost of college tuition. Yeah, directly they, about them. Directly right. about them. Mm -hmm. um, student debt being so high. These mm -hmm. are very important for sure. issues for them, no doubt. So is sure. climate change. But one of the interesting things in the um, in the Pew survey, for instance, is that when you look at what issues, the most important issue they care mm -hmm. about right now, it's economy terror and terrorism, just like hmm. the other age cohorts. And hmm. you know, they're they're not more concerned about student debt or the cost of higher education than they are about terrorism, perhaps in part because as you said, Dave, nine eleven is a huge formative event. That may right. be an issue that they care about for the rest of their lives, uh, regardless of what the immediate threat level is mm -hmm. uh, for sure. that generational well, and, effect and, reason. And plus I'd say, you know, and, and this may be a stretch, but um, I think it's potentially true. <laughs> uh, they are a generation who was raised during an era of declining support, state support for higher education. Right. And mm -hmm. a 30 year transition that has happened in our country from considering higher education to be a public good and instead making it a private good. Ah. So going from, you know, 70% uh, uh, yeah. of, a, of a university's budget coming from the state to 20, 20 25%. 25 or 20%, sure. And then that burden, of course, is transferred onto the students. Yeah, or their families, student which. Debt, or right. onto their families. Right. And th that sort of uh, uh, notion of the debt as an individual personal obligation may have been mm. successfully ingrained. Mm -hmm. So that may be why it doesn't resonate the way, uh, mm -hmm. although it, it certainly does resonate. Sure, um, sure. But, uh, yeah. And then to some degree, the economy they grew up in or, or graduated into in some cases wasn't as as robust as other ones at times. Well, and that's so, the idea, right, is yeah. that you look at uh, this generation mm -hmm. and, it's, you know, people born uh, in 1982 mark the older end of that generation. Right. So they would have been coming into the job market in the recession that mm -hmm. came after 9-11. Right. And then sort of the next youngest subgroup mm -hmm. comes into the job market in the uh, Great Recession, right? Of, yeah. And so, uh, economic insecurity is <laughs> certainly something is, is they, they, something that's on the top of their mind, or their is just a part of their life. That's exactly. what they, they've lived. Well, delayed that, marriage yeah. because mm -hmm. of student mm -hmm. debt, delayed home purchases because of student yeah. debt. Yeah. Um, but, well, anyway. Well explained, yeah. I have to <laughs> yeah. say, yeah. well explained. Now, you know, we mentioned Bernie Sanders being very popular with this group. Um, are, yeah, how are the campaigns trying to, to reach out to millennials? I mean, is the Clinton campaign doing something special? Is the Trump campaign doing? But if, if we look at Clinton, who by virtue, as, as you were saying, Melissa, they tend to be progressive, democratic leaning. Is, is that something she's been able, is trying to tap into, or is there a, a method to do that, a plan, a strategic approach to that, or? Well, in looking at um, the Clinton campaign in terms of issues that they focused on, mm -hmm. uh, there's a concern that uh, millennial voter turnout um, has been declining and is mm. expected to decline this year, although we can say something about that in a minute as well. Um, so what's happening according to some the, the campaign um, is they're appealing to millennial issues, um, mm. maybe okay. not necessarily uh, working just in terms of a, a ground game approach to getting millennials, although I know that there's some of that going on but focusing on issues of concern like college affordability, um, climate change, um, you know, respect <laughs> for <laughs> diversity yeah. Um, yeah. Are, are ways to appeal to that generation um, in terms of uh, issue attention. Right, okay. Um, 
given that obviously every generation has celebrities that they attach to or are part of that, uh, have there been any people that have endorsed Clinton that would resonate with this group? And, and if they do, how much impact do we think they will have if, if a celebrity says, yes, I'm, I've come out, well, like LeBron James, and I'm coming out for Hillary Clinton. Whether he's a millennial icon or not, I mean, right. someone like that yeah, would he, say he that. he sort of transcends yeah. uh, the generation. Yeah, but mm -hmm. he, he, there's an endorsement that mm -hmm. anyone would want, to be honest mm -hmm. with yeah. you, okay. because he does transcend the generation. Ah, okay. Yeah, celebrity endorsements are important in terms of um, uh, doing what we're suggesting here, which is shoring mm -hmm. up uh, support um, among groups who may not have been as, as supportive of uh, the candidate. So you saw, for example, during the primary, uh, Killer Mike, an African-American uh, rap artist, ah, yes, okay. uh, endorsing Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders trying to use that to help himself uh, where he wasn't doing well with African-American voters. Um, Hillary Clinton has you know, large numbers <laughs> of young, uh, and in many cases, uh, female uh, celebrities from television, uh, mm -hmm. music, uh, who are supporting her, uh, who bring energy to the campaign, and who sort of make a connection generationally mm -hmm. between uh, Secretary Clinton coming from the baby boom generation mm -hmm. and the, uh, the younger millennial uh, celebrities giving sort of their imprimatur uh, oh. to support her. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, the, the thing about celebrity endorsements though is um, they're only effective if the person who's doing the endorsing is an actual celebrity is known <laughs> among <Yeah>. the people <laughs> yeah. and uh, as the yeah. you know, entertainment you know, landscape mm -hmm. becomes sort of more cut into smaller and smaller pieces someone yeah. who can be very very famous with one group could be meaningless to totally, another group yeah. or harmful to another or actually group. harmful yeah. <laughs> okay uh, and credibility does still matter even if it's a celebrity endorsement mm -hmm. in the research that I've done um, there are some celebrities, the classic example is Bono, who everybody says, uh, mm -hmm. you know, this guy actually knows what he's talking about, studies the issues. Right. Um, and there are some celebrities who are not particularly credible. Uh, in, in a recent you know, study that I did, um, we looked at Kim Kardashian's uh, effect of taking a political position. And in the overall public, it actually has a negative, a negative effect. effect. Mm -hmm. But among those who feel positively toward her, mm -hmm. it has a positive effect. So, um, so affect, credibility, and actually being a celebrity recognition are all factors that go into whether a celebrity endorsement is meaningful or not. They're not all created equal. Mm -hmm. now, now, what about the Trump campaign and their efforts to deal with the millennial generation? Well, yeah. Trump's strategy uh, with millennials is hard to pinpoint. Hmm. Um, okay. And it's hard to pinpoint because he's unorthodox and he's embraced an unorthodox strategy relying on voluntary turnout at his really large rallies, mm -hmm. and they do attract thousands of supporters, as well as um, rather than advertising, um, paid television advertising, he relies on that free media coverage. Um, and as manages, they like to say though, earned media. They like to call <laughs> it earned <laughs> media, um, and many academics call that. I, I call it free media yeah, when, you, when you get right. all the Sunday talk shows and uh, mm -hmm. you know, every nightly news broadcast, it's, it's free. Um, yeah. So, so it's, it's harder to identify because I'll tell you, mm -hmm. the strategy, often we would look to those TV advertisements to look mm -hmm. for the targeted message, the targeted right. ad. And often in a campaign, you can clearly see, oh, clearly this yeah, Romney is ad is targeted at this kind of voter or this Clinton ad is targeted at that kind mm -hmm. of voter. 
but because there's so much less advertising, it makes it hard to find. Certainly, um, the ground game, he has put less emphasis on the mm -hmm. ground game overall, and I think there's less emphasis on college campuses. And I say that because I'm always contacted as a faculty member in a swing state mm. on a college campus who teaches American politics, um, and many of our colleagues are as well, by the campaigns looking for interns and volunteers. I've been contacted by the Clinton campaign. I've been contacted by the Rob Portman campaign, Ohio's oh. Republican senator, um, reaching out to get interns, but no contacts mm -hmm. from the Trump campaign. Huh. I think yeah. that they are less, uh, less actively mm -hmm. trying to recruit among college students. And if I were advising the Trump campaign, I think that they've got some really uh, key surrogates who could do well on college campuses in Trump's own children. Oh. Now mm -hmm. they are in that inner circle, so I think that's sure. where their time is being spent. But if Ivanka mm -hmm. Trump was visiting Ohio State, other oh. college campuses and swing states, if Donald Trump Jr., I could see <coughs> where um, young people would turn out, but I don't expect that that strategy. Yeah, that's that, that's right. the approach they'll take. That's right, right. I doubt it. So yeah. I, I hmm. just, the concern is that Trump is running an unorthodox campaign, and these voters that Dave described as the out, at the outset, these 18 to 34 year old voters, particularly mm -hmm. the younger sort of 18 to 20, 23 year olds, this may be their first presidential election right. that they vote in. To the extent that they're turned off by either Donald Trump or many say they're turned off by both candidates right. and they that. don't turn out, that's harmful down the road because mm -hmm. you become a habitual voter and it can start early. So yeah. it's worrisome, I think, mm -hmm. that, that there is some doubt about mm -hmm. turnout. Now, I say that after 2008 and 2012, when there was actually quite high turnout among young voters, and it was Barack Obama who seemed to be um, mm -hmm. the, the the spark, the, that, the magnet, or the, the draw magnet, for that. the mm -hmm. draw for young voters, and that was yeah. somewhat anomalous, I have to say. Mm -hmm. So it may be that we're just kind of regressing was, to the mean that now. That just happened to be a, a, right. a blip of an outlier right. kind of in some right. way. Uh, and what about Trump with celebrity? I'm sorry. Well, I'd like to say a little yeah. something about turnout so um, Gallup surveys people and asks them if, if they plan to vote mm -hmm. so in 2000 60 percent of voters under 35 said they would vote um, and then that number went up to 74 percent in 2008 mm -hmm. dropped to 58 percent in 2012 and that's an interesting fact that it dropped in 2012 yet Obama got reelected mm -hmm. because one thing to bear in mind is not just the percent of the particular age cohort that's expected to vote but to look at what percentage of the electorate they represent. Ah. Mm -hmm. So in 2008, 18 to 29 year olds represented 18% of the electorate. Right. And that was enough to get Obama a pretty significant victory. In 2012, they represented 19% of the electorate. Ah. And so uh, not just the percentage of the cohort who's voting mm -hmm. is relevant, but, the, but relatedly and more importantly, I would suggest that the percentage of the total electorate yeah, that the each universe age of the group, whole electorate is yeah that's what the they most represent there sure so. um, now uh, with regard to s Trump celebrities or public figures uh, how is that how's what's what's his status on that right well now? he does have um, some celebrity and public figure mm -hmm. endorsements 
I'll talk celebrities first. Mm -hmm. um, not quite the A-list that Hillary Clinton has, mm -hmm. I think it's fair to say. Scott Bayo um, okay. was a <coughs> 19, late 70s, early mm -hmm. 80s, happy days star. Yeah. Um, and he was featured prominently at the Republican National Convention. Interestingly, he has come out defending um, the Trump tape and defending what Trump said in um, the, mm. you know, highly disturbing um, tape of his remarks while he was on the bus um, going to the, the set yeah. of a soap opera. Um, and Scott Baio has defended that as just locker room talk. Yeah. Willie Robinson also spoke at the GOP convention. Um, he's, of course, a star of Duck Dynasty. Dennis mm. Rodman, Mike Tyson, Loretta Lynn, Ted Nugent. He's got some um, celebrity endorsements, but they're older. There mm -hmm. aren't the, the young... Uh. The really young celebrities, Aaron Carter is a good example. He endorsed Trump early on and then rescinded the endorsement a couple <laughs> months later, and now many weeks ago. Yeah. So, so I don't know that Trump's celebrity endorsements are, are going to uh, mm -hmm. you know, do anything to help him among millennials. Yeah. The other big story, of course, is that Trump's mm -hmm. losing a lot of endorsements right. now in the immediate the wake of the release of mm -hmm. this infamous Trump tape. And so um, many, many public figures um, are rescinding their endorsements, particularly um, Senate Republicans, many House Republicans. Right. Um, Sarah Palin is both sort of a public figure, former elected official mm -hmm. and, celebrity, yeah, and celebrity, I think it's fair to say. Mm -hmm. um, and she said in the last few days that she found Trump's comments on the tape abhorrent, but that she was sticking with him. So it's just a really interesting mm -hmm. And I guess I'd ask my colleague, you mm -hmm. study endorsements yeah. and study celebrity endorsements. Yeah. Are there, you know, what about unendorsements? Because <laughs> that's what's happening Going now. Wrong, is yeah. that arguably more important? Which is pretty unprecedented too right. in a presidential election where people get off the bus or whatever. Yeah, sort of the anti-endorsement uh, flurry uh, that's happening, mm -hmm. not unendorsements per se, but mm -hmm. anti-endorsements is the uh, number of athletes who've taken to Twitter and other mm -hmm. uh, media outlets to say, this is not locker room <laughs> yeah. talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This right. is an insult yeah. to locker rooms mm -hmm. uh, to say this. Yeah. Which, uh, which uh, yeah, it, it's interesting because you're saying basically they're being demeaned by saying, well, that's what guys do or whatever. Yeah, if you want to follow an not, interesting uh, yeah. a retired NFL mm -hmm. player who is mm -hmm. very political, uh, follow him on Twitter, uh, Chris Cluey. Uh, oh, yeah, the Minnesota Vikings. A punter. Former, yeah. yeah. Definitely mm -hmm. worth uh, listening to. Mm -hmm. not saying yeah. he's right or wrong, but just definitely uh, presents a, an interesting yeah. perspective yeah. as a former athlete. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, as we, uh, as we look at that, um, we get down to the closer and closer election. So millennials, you know, are becoming this larger group within the population. Um, how much power do we think they will really hold in this election? Because if, if, if they turn out, if, if they turn out or if they don't turn out, well, it is all about the turnout. Mm -hmm. uh, because with the big margin Clinton has among the millennials, mm -hmm. they could easily deliver the election to her. Mm -hmm. The big worry is that um, they won't come out in the numbers needed. Okay. And um, that's the big question. Harvard, um, the Institute of Politics did a focus group, I believe it was last week, so, so sort of early October, mm -hmm. they did a focus group of undecided millennials in Philadelphia. So these are millennials on the fence. And honestly, at that time, now this is pre-Trump tape, 
but those focus group millennial participants said they didn't see much difference between Clinton and Trump. And it was clear the analysts of that Harvard focus group said that the decision millennials were facing is whether to vote or stay home. The other piece that I want to mention, I think we should touch on, is that um, Clinton, of course, needs high turnout among African Americans because right. she has such a huge margin. If turnout is high among African Americans, um, that will definitely make the difference. Low turnout among African Americans would be a big concern. And mm. the big question among African Americans is will millennial African Americans turn out? Uh, her big strategy, as many before her have used, is to go to historically black colleges and universities and black churches. That's not necessarily where you are going to find loads of millennials. Mm -hmm. um, and right. black millennials in particular, some have gotten involved in the Black Lives Matter movement. Others have not, but mm -hmm. they're certainly aware. And they're aware of Clinton um, and the role that she and Bill Clinton uh, played in a real law and order, right. um, three mm -hmm. strikes and you're out kind of yeah. approach to criminal justice that has led to arguably mass incarceration of uh, of uh, black men. So they're not mm. necessarily enamored of her. She needs them to turn <coughs> out. Yeah. Now, uh, as we as we look at that, so I mean, and we, we don't know what the fallout is from the Trump tape with that group. Uh, what will what will motivate them? We know what will motivate them or not motivate them to turn out. I mean, we just are we, are we it's, we're going to have to just wait and see on election day to see what happens. Well, there is some sense of what the effect mm -hmm. of the tape mm -hmm. Uh, overall was right. uh, in that the NBC News Wall Street Journal poll that was conducted yeah. on Saturday and Sunday mm -hmm. after the Friday release showed a 14-point lead for Hillary Clinton mm -hmm. in a two-way race and an 11-point lead uh, in a four-way race. I didn't see breakdowns by generation uh, mm -hmm. within there. Right. They, yeah. they didn't release um, yeah. specific mm -hmm. age groups and so forth, so right. that's hard to right. tell. But nonetheless, that's a pretty big lead. I mean, right. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, 35% in the four-way race is where Trump is, and that's that's McGovern. Like, ah, if, if that holds, okay. McGovern got 38%. <laughs> yeah. so, right. Oh, yeah. It's it's yeah. it's definitely not looking good for mm -hmm. Donald Trump right now, and it'll be it will be interesting to see. Um, mm -hmm. He seems to have doubled down just since the release of the Trump tapes, mm. and now he's really going after those establishment Republicans. We talked about those right. anti-endorsements or those mm -hmm. unendorsements, and so he's really been lighting up Twitter, actually just piling it on on those GOP mm. officials. And Matt Borges, the Ohio uh, Republican Party chair, um, has reportedly been on the phone to him and, and asked him, please don't go after mm -hmm. that's not the winning formula you yeah. need to be going after clinton so millennial or not nobody is motivated or almost nobody is motivated to vote for a candidate based on how that candidate attacks other leaders in his party ah. right. that level of so-called inside okay. baseball or inside the beltway politics mm -hmm. is not what motivates people I well, mean, well that was going to kind of be my question because part of his appeal has been to is anti-establishment even within his own party to a lot of his supporters so uh, that was going to be my question would would the fact that he continues to say yeah now those guys are deserting me would that encourage more or has he maxed out that level of support already i mean are there more people say well because you're because you're abandoning i'm now going to vote for donald trump or before i wasn't going to as a republican i wasn't going to go out and vote well, I mean, is there is there any pool of people there left? His or? supporters. Yeah. I mean that, mm -hmm. and in fact, I think that his this is his go-to strategy mm -hmm. because that's what worked in the primary for yeah. him. 
And okay. as the quintessential political outsider, he doesn't have the prior experience mm -hmm. of having to pivot. Normally, political scientists would say you pivot from your primary base to that general election base. He's never had to do that before. Or, you know, like other politicians who've run before, you know, they know that you can get into trouble if you yeah. don't, you know, mm -hmm. work hard to yeah. craft your message now to a general election audience. So I think in a crisis situation that the campaign finds itself in now, Trump is is falling back on that strategy Here. that worked so well for him. But mm -hmm. when it's a general um, electorate, it's not a winning strategy. Oh. What it is, it's throwing red meat to his supporters. Amongst them, turnout will be very high. Uh, but without getting um, a lot more support in the middle, it's not looking it's good for Donald Trump. There aren't enough of those voters, at least the way it appears right now, to... Now, if if that's the feel out there that oh well he you know that that's that's the only group he's been talking to is there a concern on the on the other side on the other party with the clinton side of like well this thing's over we don't have to go out and vote it's a done deal well some of the, is that is that's an issue for them then to deal with too in terms of turnout hey this this thing's over i don't need to go out and vote after all my vote is going to be she's going to win big so who cares well that's what their ground game is all about yeah. is making okay. sure that the uh, whatever overconfidence inappropriately yeah. develops uh, is not manifested in the form of decreased voter turnout among the demographics that she needs in order to win. Right, and that's where the being organized on college campuses and having so many field offices throughout the state, whether it's millennials or other voters, they are gonna sure try to, to continue with that traditional approach. As I said, after it's all over, we'll see how what I call the, the Twitter campaign, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I've said before, we don't have good data on whether yeah. mobilizing through Twitter um, is as effective, more effective, or less than effective. My gut instincts, have, as I've said on the podcast before, is mm -hmm. that um, there's no substitute for face-to-face -face mobilization. Right. So we shall see. We shall see. Okay, well, David Jackson, Melissa Miller, thank you so much. Join us again next week as we uh, continue to uh, assess the 2016 presidential election here with our series of podcasts from Bowling Green State University. Join us again next time.